With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world. All alone. God takes your soul. You're on your own. The crow flies Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I am your host, the one and only Brian Tarvin. There's nobody in the country like me, or the world for that matter. And Trey Patterson is the co-host tonight. He will be back in studio. We missed him on, on Sunday, but we had a great show Sunday night. Paul Ewing joined us, Jonathan Miklos, Cuervo, Sonny Clark, all of us had some some good discussions together and a lot of fun tonight. We're going to have a a lot more things to cover. We're probably going to go an hour, hour and a half. You never know how long it's going to last, depending on how much cooperation we have from the fans tonight. And I'll go ahead and give the number 646-716-5564. And again, 646-716-5564. Join us if you can, guys. Chat room's going to be open. Call in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, waiting on Trey to call in. I don't know. He uh, he must be running a little bit behind. But again, welcome everybody. And tonight, we're going to talk about a lot of things. Spring games and college football, are they really worth it? I mean, would you? we have some teams. We have Texas A&M, Pittsburgh. Teams like that, they're not going to play a spring game this year. And what they get in return, they get more practices, more practice time, less injuries. And and I just want to know what people's thoughts are on that. We're going to talk some gambling and and sports in general. Uh, We're going to talk about the draft, the 10-second rule that was shot down today just for a moment. But, Trey, welcome back to the show, man. We missed you Sunday night. How's it going? Hey, buddy. How's it going, man? No, doing good, man. And you know what? I'm going to start out tonight talking about, and maybe you'll get excited, maybe you won't. LeBron James for the Miami Heat, Trey. I don't know what you thought about his 61-point performance the other night. Uh, Give us your thoughts. Well, uh, obviously the second-best performance when it comes to points per game this season right behind Carmelo Anthony, 62. It was impressive. I mean, LeBron James, who – I think some folks kind of sort of has written off as one of the game's best players. Um, kind of showed that you know, he can take over a team. And Miami's got a lot of veterans, a lot of guys who can score. And they've been kind of doing a lot of uh, moving the ball around, letting everybody get their touches. Uh, but LeBron showed you that he can kind of take over a game still. Best player, better player, Carmelo or LeBron, Trey? <laughs> well, I think it's easily LeBron. I mean, LeBron gives you assists and rebounds in a game. And that's not something that Carmelo is going to be um, able to do. I mean, LeBron can take over a game just by dishing. I mean, he can get 15 assists. I mean, LeBron could probably be top 10 in assists per you know assists per game if he really wanted to. Um, and so I think LeBron James is for sure for me. 
Yeah, you know, Kobe, I don't know if you remember, what, five years ago, maybe it's longer than that, maybe six or seven years ago, he put up, what was it, 81 points in the game? Was it in Milwaukee or I can't remember where it was, Toronto? Yeah, there was something like that, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I can't remember where it was, who he put it up against. But yeah, it was, he put up 80, over 80 for sure. Well, you know, you know me. Ever since LeBron's come in the league, I haven't sung his praise as much. You know that, but... You know, yeah. the more I watch him play, the more I see him, the, the more I realize he's the best player in the NBA. I mean, am I ready to put him up there with Jordan? No, I'm, I'm not yet. But looking at the NBA today, Trey, there is no doubt. There is, there's not even a discussion that LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. I mean, can you do you agree or disagree? Well, I, I think he is. But I think the bridge between him and, and what you're seeing in F from Kevin Durant uh, is is getting closer. Kevin Durant, I think, is a pure scorer. Uh, I think there's a good argument that he might be better. But I think all around game, you're talking about a defense, uh, you steals, blocks. You're talking about a guy who can give the rock around, uh, even though he's a you know a forward. And I just think LeBron James gives you kind of the complete package. I mean, I, and Tarvin, I, got, I mean, I think it's closer. I think LeBron is going to have the kind of run that we saw at MJ. Um, you know, when you talk about leading the league in points and that kind of stuff, I don't think he's going to be there in five years. I think he, I mean, we're going to see, I think, some guys pass him, not before too long. Yeah, but LeBron is more of a team player than, than Michael ever thought about being. I mean, my, they both want to win. Michael wanted to win more than anything, but it seemed to me that Michael relied on Michael to win, where LeBron relies on himself, but he also wants everybody around him to play well. But one thing about LeBron kind of like Michael, if you piss him off, uh, you're, he's going off on you. And, and, and I, I just see that when I saw Oklahoma City host Miami a few weeks ago, you remember Oklahoma City went into Miami and beat them pretty good. LeBron comes back once they started talking about the MVP for Durant and, and LeBron James just put on a show. And I think that showed, it showed the country really that, that LeBron James is the best basketball player out there. I don't even think it's a discussion with Durant, honestly, with with LeBron. I, I think Durant's a good player, but I, I don't think he's at the level of a LeBron James. Durant's good, but you take away Westbrook from him, I mean, I just don't think they could even come close to the finals. You take away Dwayne Wade from Miami, I still think LeBron James could get them there to the finals. Uh, but I, I don't know. Your, but, but it is the West and East, though. It's, it's not hard to make the finals coming out of the East compared to – like Oklahoma City coming out of the West. But why do you think everybody hates LeBron James? Everybody that hates LeBron James, why do you think they hate him so much? Well, I mean, part of it I think is self-induced. I mean, you know, you have, I think, those fans who really kind of admired a, a city like Cleveland who hasn't won a lot in any sport, or seen any sport. You know, hometown kid, leads into to the finals, looks like he may stick around and form a franchise that is dominant in the NBA, and he chooses to leave them. And, that, and, that's, and that's part one, but he left them in a way, Tarvin, and I think that left a lot of people very bitter about him as a person, just, you know, the way he put on that, that stupid, um, you know, the decision. <laughs> yeah, the decision. I mean, it was it was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think that it's funny that LeBron, and, and I think a lot of people would look at LeBron and they would say he's criticizing uh, the media and says, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to the media. And he was really actually referring to ESPN, but he's the same guy who put, you know, his, you know, network, you know, decision on the same network. So, I mean, I think some of that plays into it. 
Uh, I think there's always going to be haters when you're one of the best players in the game. But I think you, know, you put a target on the back for really any reason you did that. Well, look at the look at the standings right now, Trey, in the West. Oklahoma City with a one-and-a-half game lead over San Antonio. The West, one through eight. I mean, you can even go down to number 10 with Minnesota, 30-29. and 29. The West is stacked. This year, you go up to the East, Trey, Indiana's in first place, Miami's second, two games back, but you can go down to sixth place in the East, and it's 500. Seventh and eighth playoff spots are below 500. I mean, how embarrassing is it? The Atlanta Hawks are the eighth seed right now with a 26-32 and 32 record. I mean, is it just me, or maybe in the NBA they should reduce the playoffs maybe down to four teams? What do you think, four teams in each division? And, and have a semifinals at the first round and then have the, the conference championship the second. Is it watered down right now too much in the East? Well, I mean, the, I mean, yeah, I think when you have a team sitting at a 4-4-8 winning percentage in the in the Eastern Conference, and that's going to be your eighth seed. Now, I mean, it's almost like having a bye for Indiana. I mean, Indiana is not going to have a problem with Atlanta. Now, for Miami, <laughs> playing Charlotte, uh, you know, it's good for the city of Charlotte because they haven't been to playoffs in a while. But, again, I mean, those are two series that you can pretty much not even worry about watching. Where you look at out west, I mean, you know, Phoenix sitting 10 games above 500, Tarvin. I mean, they are the eighth seed, and you got Memphis, Tarvin, they're sitting at 34 and 25, and, and they would be in mid, you know, very near the top of the league and make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yep, Memphis and Minnesota would be left out. If the playoffs were were picked today, and they have winning records, and looking at this West, I've heard people say this week that the L.A. Clippers, they're right now fourth seed, are the best team in the West. Are you buying that right now? I mean, I know they have a, a trade. Who they get? Granger. Uh, I believe they got Granger. Yeah. If not, yeah. but is Houston the best team? Looking at Houston, I mean, this team with with Dwight Howard, they have. Harden, I mean, this Houston team could could legitimately win the West. I mean, it's wide open in the West, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously I think Oklahoma City now, I mean, look at what uh, Russell Westbrook did in 20 minutes. I mean, I think it was the second, um, if you look at minutes played, I mean, it was the the second least minutes played in the history of, I think, the NBA to get a triple-double. So, I mean, if he comes back at that kind of strength, I mean, it's going to be really hard to, to knock off Oklahoma City but, I mean, with the injury to Kendrick Perkins, uh, Kendrick Perkins for Oklahoma City, who really was a defensive sort of stalwart in that middle, and they still have Serge Ibaka. But, I mean, that was a big loss for them when it comes down to talking about postseason play and the defense necessary to win the West. And so that might be an issue that you see in the playoffs for Oklahoma City. You know, San Antonio, they're always on cruise control the rest of their starters. You can't really sort of sleep on them. But really the two teams that I think are making a lot of headway are Houston and the LA Clippers. But I'll tell you, Tarvin, I think the third team in there that could win the West and certainly could be uh, the team in the finals, and I think you probably would not like, you know, the uh, the NBA probably wouldn't like it a whole lot, is the city of Portland. I mean, they, they have a really good basketball team, 41-19, and 19, uh, the same record um, that really the Houston, the, the Houston Rockets has at 41-19. and 19. So, you know, you're talking about the, the West, Tarvin, there are five, I mean, legitimate teams who easily could be uh, the Western champions. Well, if you're a Lakers fan out there, you have to be happy, Trey, that, that you're dead last in the West right now. Let's face it. I mean, why do you want to get the eighth seed and get destroyed? 
without Kobe Bryant. But if you're a Lakers fan out there, aren't you thrilled right now that you're last place and you're going to get more balls to choose from to get a better, hopefully get that first overall pick? I mean, how excited are you if you're a Lakers fan, Trey? So I think they're more excited about um, bringing in somebody in this free agent pool. I mean, you have Kevin Love, who Dallas and the Lakers are going to basically try to outbid each other for. I mean, obviously he's making the right call, saying that he may not leave Minnesota. But certainly, I mean, Kevin Love, I mean, the numbers he puts up, I don't, I don't know if people realize how good he is for Minnesota. And if they don't they don't make the postseason, you got to think that even with Ricky Rubio um, and sort of some core in Minnesota, that Kevin Love may end up taking a deal somewhere else. And the Lakers and the Mavericks are going to be two of the biggest destinations for that. And I think that's what they might be excited for is having cap room to come grab him. Well, my my award tonight for the the crappiest team award really goes to the Philadelphia 76ers trade. They've lost 15 in a row, and they're only, and I say only, 31 and a half games back right now first place. So so what what are what's the best odds of happening? Philadelphia making the playoffs or or Florida winning the SEC East this year in football? Which one's the greater <laughs> greater Florida possibility? Shot, yeah. I think Florida's got okay. a pretty good shot in but yeah, I don't think the seventy six have any shot. Well that's our, our wrap in NBA right now. We just wanted to touch touch with that a minute. And and I'm telling you, it's a two team race in the East, everybody out there listening. I really look at it. Brooklyn could be interesting once it comes playoff time with their veterans. I doubt it. I just, Trey, I cannot possibly fathom an, an Eastern Conference championship that, that didn't involve Indiana and Miami. Can you see anything out there other than those two? No, I, I, I can't. But i tell you the one thing I actually can see is a conference final that Indiana actually wins. So, We'll see if that plays out. But I think Indiana is poised to dethrone Miami in the East. Uh, and you really can't I guess, discount what Miami's done. I mean, this will be like, their fourth straight final. That's pretty rare uh, for, for any franchise to do. So pretty hard to do, Tarvin, and that's one of the reasons why I think Indiana might be ready to dethrone them. All right. Well, let's let's move on to another topic real quick. And, and let's stay in basketball, college basketball, Trey. Syracuse has lost four out of five games. Tell me what's happened to the Orangemen here. They, they ever since Shashet, I know they lost to Boston College at home, but I, I thought it was they were tired. They, they were looking ahead to Duke, and then Duke beat them. It seems like ever since Mike Shashetsky came into town and 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 he got that Beheim got the technicals and thrown out. Syracuse is just, I don't know. I want you to explain to me what's happened with Syracuse, and if you're a Syracuse fan, are you concerned right now? that were this close to the tournament, you went from being undefeated to dropping four out of five games. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously disconcerting. I mean, you lose to Georgia Tech, um, you know, on, on the fourth. And you got Florida State, who's a bubble team, coming up and on the road. And it's just possible they lose again. I mean, Florida State is a team playing for the tournament, and that's always dangerous in the ACC. I mean, obviously Syracuse is going to make the tournament. But I mean, this is starting to look like a team who's fading in the wrong in the wrong areas at the wrong time. Now and we've seen this before in, in like the ACC and then the old Big East, where some of these teams struggle at the very end and then they seem to figure it out in the tournament. So we'll have to see if Behan does that. I mean, I think of UConn with Kimball Walker a few years ago. Uh, but 
you know, this, I mean, one player could get hot and one player could get cold, and sometimes this happens in basketball. So with Syracuse, probably it could be as simple as that. But, you know, there is something to be watching here. I mean, and I think the big thing we'll have to watch for is the ACC tournament. See, I can see Syracuse going down that 15 seed. And I read that somewhere today, and I can't remember where I read Syracuse. You know, they, they've lost before like this, but is the Syracuse team, are they in danger? You know, a 16 is not going to beat them if they get a one, but couldn't you see a 15 seed coming in and beating a Syracuse team that that's really, I, I think they've lost their identity, Trey. Yeah, for there, for a second there, I thought you said they were going to be a 15 seed. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Oh, I'm but... sorry, a two seed. I, I may have said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, anything's happening in a tournament, especially if you get guys injured or you get guys who are super cold. I think Syracuse, I mean, they're going to be, you're, I think you're right about a two or three seed, no matter how they finish the season out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if they're playing poorly, I mean, the tournament, anything can happen, especially with some of these mid-majors who are just extremely, extremely happy to be in the tournament, and they, they just are playing on sort of you know, the casino's money. And so that's a dangerous position to be in. And so if you're Syracuse, you got to figure it out now. I mean, because the ACC tournament is going to be a good litmus test for how they're going to be able to play in the tournament. Well, you know, I've been on that Kentucky bandwagon, you know, preaching to everybody out there that, hey, these guys are going to start playing together. And if they their guards play better, you better watch out for them. They have enough to make a run. But, Trey, after watching them lose to South Carolina, which, I mean, they're the worst team in basketball. I think they're ranked 170th or something. And then they lose – who else did they lose to? Uh, they lost to somebody else. And then they, they actually beat Arkansas. Alabama barely last – yeah, Arkansas beat them in Kentucky. And then they almost lose to Alabama last night, Trey. Ever since Calipari went off against South Carolina, it seems like these guys are having a lot of trouble. I mean, can Kentucky make a run here in March? We're close to tournament time. I'm looking at them probably being – what would you say, Trey, a sixth seed in this tournament, maybe? Yeah, maybe an eight. Um, I, I, it depends on how they finish. I mean, they got Florida on the eight, Sarvin. I think that's probably a loss. Um, they're at Florida. And then you talking about the SEC tournament, and they're going to obviously be the number two, I think two seed in the SEC tournament, three seed. So they're going to have a shot to run through some of the SEC tournament, and that'll, that'll help them out. But if they were to lose uh, early in the SEC tournament, I think they could follow about an eight seed. I mean, you got to remember – the SEC is such a weak t- conference this year. I mean, you got to look at them on the sort of the Big Ten of football uh, schedule-wise and, and strength schedule-wise and also conference strength of schedule-wise. So, I mean, if they were to struggle in the conference tournament, I mean, they could fall to about an eight seed, and they're going to be in trouble uh, in the tournament because, I mean, this is not a team tested. It's a bunch of young players. Um, you got to think they haven't been here before. I mean, you have some of the sophomores who have. Uh, yeah, they have a great coach, Tarvin, but you know there's something to be said for uh, it seems to take time, and when you bring all these guys in, they, they, they can't gel together. And I don't know what that is, but we've seen it before um, in basketball where it takes a little time for these guys to gel. I mean, Kentucky just doesn't have that time because these guys are all one and done. Well, Trey, you know, somebody, and maybe you know the name of the person on ESPN or CBS wrote a, an article just blasting Calipari, really, this week. And, and he went back and and brought the brought up, you know, the the successful years he had at Kentucky was really with someone else's juniors and seniors, really that that's been in school for a long time. They they made the Final Four and then they won the championship. But 
is this one and done going to come back and bite Calipari? Because I just don't see it working anymore. I mean, you can't rebuild every year and expect to to be a Final Four team. I mean, is Calipari really fool's gold right now? Did he inherit a great senior class and, and actually benefit with that? And is he in trouble going forward, Trey? Because the more that time goes by, the more I see him coach. Maybe he's not a great X of the nose basketball coach. Well, I think you know, part of it. I think you know, you could be right in some ways. I don't, I don't know the article, um, but I think what we've seen, and we even saw this in the NBA with the Miami Heat in the first the first year that you know they put Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron James in before. It took them, I think, what half the season to even get going. And the NBA season's pretty long, you know. So we're talking about forty games or so. In college basketball, you don't you just don't have. I mean, you have around 40 games if you make it pretty far in the tournament. If you're lucky, I mean, it's about 30 games, baby. So, I mean, I just think that um, it takes time. I mean, you have Kentucky; they're 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 30 games into a season right now. Uh, it, it takes a lot of time for these young kids to buy in because I mean, you're selling them on a program and on a lot of times, Carbon. I think for these these one and done kids, they all want to get their numbers up. They want to get their highlights, you know, in. Because they're looking at going to the NBA next year, and so you have a lot of selfish. And I think that no matter who the coach is, it's going to be hard for them to like. You know, maybe one guy, Tarvin, you can buy in. Like you know, Duke's had a couple players who've been one and done, and maybe you can have that one guy buy in for the season because I mean, because the rest of the guys are going to hang around. Uh, but when you have you know three and four guys who are going to be one and done, you know, telling them to pass the ball or buy into a system, it may not really work because they're going to, they're going to learn that system in one year. And they don't really care about what happens after that. I mean, you know, so I think that might be part of the problem as well. What do you think about Dallas owner Mark Cuban talking about college basketball, really? No need to, to go to college, actually, that the, the players would be better off. These one-and-done guys go into the D-League. And, and I'm kind of with him on that. I, I think if your goal is really – you just don't want to go to college and you want to play NBA, let them go to the D-League, Trey. What do you think about this? Because I think it would make college basketball better. The players that actually came to college to play basketball would stay three or four years, actually get a degree, and actually develop more. What do you think about Mark Cuban's thoughts about the D-League? Well, you know, whether the D-League develops basketball skills because they can practice more uh, and they don't have NCAA rules of hand, they don't have to go to class, um, you know, that might be true. But I think a lot of these guys, and you got to think about all the players who are trying to be one and done now uh, and look at how long, even if they get to the NBA, how long they actually make it in the NBA. I mean, talking about some of these guys that are in and out of the NBA in two and three years. I mean, that's not exactly enough money to bank yourself on a career. Uh, and so I, I disagree with Cuban on that. I mean, yeah, basketball skills-wise, uh, for the very few elite players who are going to hang around and play 10 years or 15 years, maybe. But those guys aren't even every year, Carvin. I mean, every year we see, you know, a new crop of these freshman guys, and, and then not all of them make it, um, even in the guys who only do one year. So I think it's important. And I think the other aspect of that is, is a lot of times, and if they went to the D-League, Carvin, you're not even going to hear from these folks. So I think sometimes they're able to build some fan bases up uh, and excitement for the player. I mean, look what Andrew Wiggins, you know, even his recruitment, you know, for Kansas and, you know, built up so much momentum for his stardom. Uh, I I don't think he would have got that if he had gone to the draft in the D-League. Yeah, I just think that, you know, it's so valuable for these guys to be able to go to college and be able to work with coaches that, 
that actually want to win, that want to develop these guys. And the D-League's not much of developing to me. I mean, I've I've officiated D-League games, Trey, really, kind of like those here in Atlanta. And, man, they're very talented, but they're not – they're not being worked with. They're not being coached the way they would be coached in college. And I don't know, college basketball seems to me like it's dying out because of all these kids that are coming out and going one year and leaving. College basketball, Trey, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Do you remember, I was looking back, you look at the Duke's last national championship they won. I mean, that team was terrible, really. And you look at the 90s Duke teams, UNLVs, North Carolinas, and teams like that. Tell me the difference between – those teams in the 90s, 2000 area, compared to now. I mean, tell me there's not a difference in talent. Well, obviously, I think it matters for, you know, some guys who played, you know, 10 years in the NBA on those teams, uh, and they developed for two and three and you know, maybe even four years uh, in college. Now, uh, I think, yeah, so I think you are getting to develop talent and you're getting some more consistency. Guys are playing with each other longer. Um, that, that certainly matters for for your talent on the team. But Tarvin, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the the new commissioner, I think his name is Adam Silver, uh, for the NBA, seemed to be willing to even extend this rule to two years in college. Um, I, I heard that on I think it was on Mike and Mike this morning. Uh, tell me, did you hear anything about this, or am I am I misquoting this? Well, I did hear something about this, but. The two years, what you're really going to do is, is really make these kids upset that they really want to do it. You know, NBA is different than NFL. You'll get killed as a kid coming out of high school or something going to the NFL. But NBA, Trey, I think you'd have a revolt for these guys. You know, you're forcing them to go to school two years, really, and I think a lot of these guys don't even want to go one. So I don't know. I think that's when the D-League is going to pop up and these kids are going to find alternate ways to get to the NBA you know, without going to college. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how it would play out, but it's just you know, something to think about. Uh, it may be better for the NBA and college basketball in the long run. You may lose a few guys here and there. I think the majority of them are going to want to go play, you know, at Duke and Kentucky. And, you know, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the new NBA commissioner has thoughts on this. But just something to keep in mind um, as a proposal. Somebody's thinking about the NBA. Well, Sonia is about to leave the chat room, and I wanted to, to mention her on air tonight. You know, Trey, Jason Humphrey was our, our male fan of the year for 2013, and Sonia Minson is our female fan of the year for 2013. So Jason Humphrey and Sonia Minson, Trey, our fans of the year, we just want to say thank you to them for supporting this show, and, and I look forward to 2014 with them. Football season's right around the corner. Absolutely, and uh, I think she's in the queue, Tarvin. Let's get up. Let me get her on here. Hold on just a second. Let me get back. Hold on. There she is. I found her. Sonia, Hi. how are you? Hi. Hi, Trey. Hey, Sonia. Are you getting any sleep? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it comes in minutes. Well, you've got to post some more pictures of that beautiful baby. And, Tarvin, you've got to po- uh, post some more pictures of Wells. But thank you guys so much. I am so honored. <laughs> well, you're welcome. And, and, and well, the winner, what you don't realize, Sonia, is, is Trey offer. You know, he's going to send ten thousand dollars out of his checking account to you and Jason both. So, <laughs> congratulations. 
Well, I think we'd have to excuse him because with that new baby on the way and uh, another one that's a toddler, I would say that Trey's going to need that pen. <laughs> a few well, it, is a, it, it is a monopoly money, Sonia. So. <laughs> well, you don't have to send me a thing. I love you guys. I love the show. You know I'll do anything I can to support you. I'm sorry I haven't been able to be on recently. Um, everybody knows that I went back to work. Uh, which, thank God, ended <laughs> not too long ago. But now that I'm free and I've got some free time, I definitely want to want to get back on the way in sports, get back on the agenda, and uh, support you guys. But thank you so much. That is so, so sweet. And it is, it is such an honor, very much an honor. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And, and, Sonia, you've done a lot for our show. You've been a part of it ever since we've started this thing. And, and you know, it's it's March right now, you know, a, a few months ago, we were watching the championship end, and here we are. College football is not too far away, Sonia. So we'll start our preseason going into it before long, and, and we'll do our panel like we did before where we had you, Jason, and some other ones come on and, and actually preview these teams with us. So we're going to have some exciting times pretty soon. Oh, no, it'll be great. And then this time, uh, isn't it this year that we're actually going to go back and we're going to make our predictions and revisit them yeah. at season's end? Is that something that – I think that was something that you guys – you know Trey were talking about doing that. I yeah, think that would be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And just know if you really want just real talk about sports, just like if you're talking to your buddy at the bar, at the sports bar or a friend, Way in Sports is so cool because you get to talk about everything. We have such a great time in the chat room. Brian and Trey, the one thing that they're always going to be is factual. <laughs> they don't talk gossip or BS. It's straight sports, straight fun, and I am just very, very honored and blessed to be a part of the Way in Sports family, and I will continue to be part of the Way in Sports family. And we appreciate your support, Sonia. So make sure you join us Sunday night. I know you have to head out right now, but be safe out there on the roads, and, and we'll see you Sunday night. All right, guys, will do. Take care, Trey. Say hello to that wonderful wife and uh, kiss those beautiful babies for me. And thanks a lot, Sonia. Good to hear from you. All right, guys. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. That was, that was Sonia Minson, again, the female fan of the year for weigh-in sports talk. Trey, that's, I like that, revisiting what we predicted. And I, I, did I predict Auburn to play for the national championship? I can't remember, Trey. <laughs> no, you didn't. We, and we did do some revisiting. Uh, I think Sonia's right that we probably needed to make it more of a uh, more of a bigger thing in the show. We did a couple – uh, flybys that Paul did for us and uh, busted us down on some of our bad predictions and some of our good ones we mentioned on the show. We'll have to do a, a full breakdown uh, this year once we do that um, and give us what we, didn't, well, Trey, what we didn't predict. Well, Trey, I have to give you and I both credit. Like, I went back and listened, and we talked about three teams I'll mention, LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M, Trey. We nailed those. I mean, if you looked at it, you and I, we nailed those three teams. A lot of people had high expectations for all three of those teams. And if you go back and listen to it, Trey, you and I had Georgia, I think, seven and five, maybe eight and four, and that's where right where they were. LSU, we, we knew they would take a step back, and they did. And Texas A&M with their defense, you know, I was laughed at on air when I projected Auburn to beat Texas A&M because of that rush defense and Jonathan Miklos and Paul Ewing were making fun of me, you know, but I predicted Auburn to lose to LSU last year in the, in the Tennessee to Alabama 
and there was one more. It might have been Georgia. So I had them eight and four, which was a lot better than a lot of people had them. I may have had them nine and three. Paul Ewing had them nine and three trade. But if you go back and listen to our projections, we weren't far off. I mean, I think you and I both had a great year when it came to predictions. Yeah, and in fact, we actually nailed um, a decent. I mean, obviously, we didn't nail all of our predictions for all of the conferences, and certainly we didn't have Auburn winning the SEC. If you go back, I mean, I think I got the Pac-12 right. Uh, I think I had some. You know, I I had Michigan State on my watch to win the big. You know, the Big Ten. Um, Yeah, I mean, so we had obviously. I think I had Clemson winning the ACC, but we certainly had Clemson was right there in a BCS game. Uh, you know, and the Florida State was, you know, we had a lot of teams out there. We we predicted, um, you know, having good and bad years, and then we kind of nailed some of it, Tarvin. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we missed some. We're not perfect, but, you know, one of the things that you always can do is call in and bust us for it. Yeah, I think you and I missed Michigan, I believe, or Devin Garner. We we both thought that he would have a good yeah, season. Yeah, we did. They, they suck. But, I mean, you, you look at it in general overall. We I said Ohio State would not win the Big Ten. They didn't. I said Southern Cal would suck, and they did. You know, Oregon would be good, but they wouldn't be national caliber, national championship. So I'm going to go back, Trey, and what I'm going to do is is revisit those, and when I have some spare time and listen, and I'll I'll tally it up, and and we'll talk about it. But congratulations to Florida State again, college football champions for 2013. Uh, just a phenomenal season by these guys, and and you know after I think about it, Trey. You look at Auburn, the way they played, they they blew a lead and everything, but they won some games this year coming from behind at the end and doing that, so it it evened out. But I'm very proud of the Auburn Tigers, the way they fought with Florida State. And if you look at Florida State trading, nobody played these guys close all season. And, I mean, they were killing teams. So Auburn should hold their heads up high after a game like that. They showed – I think Auburn gained a lot of respect, Trey, after that game. Yeah, and, you know, you got to think. I mean, Florida State – um, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, you know, that, that game, and I've heard a lot of crazy SEC fans. But, you know, the thing is, you know, Florida State was a really an exceptional team. If you look at the talent they had on the field this year, and for Auburn to come out and play them the way they did, I think that says a lot about what Gus Malzahn is doing at Auburn. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think some Alabama fans are so nervous <laughs> is because, you know, that game, you know, Florida State was possibly one of the better teams we've seen in a long time that this past year. Um, not only by the way they were coached with, you know, Pruitt's defense, but the absolute, I mean, they had five-star, four-star guys all around. I mean, just everywhere. You know, Heisman quarterback, you have the Remington guy, you know, award winner, the Groza award winner. I mean, they had three national awards on that team, which is a pretty big deal. And, of course, all, all Americans. And Auburn came out and punched him in the mouth. And so I think that's a tribute to Gus, what Gus Zahn is doing in Auburn. I'd be pretty mm-hmm. excited if I was an Auburn fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm excited because, Trey, when you come up short in a game like that, and if you go back on the season, if you're Malzahn, you've got a lot to look forward to because you can learn and you're hungry again. I mean, I'm glad we – I mean, I wish we had won it, but we didn't. I think we'll benefit from not winning it. But one fact, I don't know if you've heard this, the Florida State coaching staff, they they picked up some tendencies in Nick Marshall, something he was doing with his foot that that tipped them off to know if he was going to handle what he was really going to do, whether he's going to throw or not. And Florida State picked up on it, and that's great coaching, that's great film study, and and they really controlled him 
for most of the game. I don't know if you've noticed that or you've heard that, but that's true, then, then Florida State deserves a lot of kudos because, you know, Auburn had no tendencies really, it seemed like, but everybody has a has a flaw, Trey. If, if you study long enough, you can pick it up. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of that. Uh, but I'll ask you a question, speaking of Nick Marshall, uh, you know, Gus Malzahn came out recently, and I know we, we weren't planning on talking a lot of college football, but he came out recently and said – uh, that he doesn't want Nick Marshall working with any of these quarterback gurus at all. Uh, that he wants Nick Marshall working for basically the quarterback coach at Auburn, and that's it. Uh, what do you think about that? And I'm getting a lot of feedback on your side, buddy. Hold on just a second. Trey, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, buddy. How did I sound now? Yeah, much better. It, was a lot, it sounded like it was shuffling off papers. But so, what do you think about Malzahn and Nick Marshall making those comments that he doesn't want his quarterback working with any of these, you know, these big quarterback gurus? Well, I like it, Trey, and and, and the reason I like it, it, it gives some consistency. So, if in the off season, just say this guy's teaching Nick Marshall something that maybe the coaches didn't like, or it's hard to unbreak these habits once these players work with these guys. I don't mind it once you get out of school. I think you need someone like that. but And also, do you trust guys enough to, to not go back and, and list all the weaknesses of a quarterback and be able to share it with other coaches? I like it. I, I like Gus Malzahn. I want to do it his way, his system. I, I just, I'm all for it. I, I don't like other quarterbacks working with all these coaches. and too much information out there that they can give away. What do you think? Well, I mean, I understand this point. Well, I guess I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll take the opposing view, which is, you know, Nick Marshall's a former defensive a defensive back. I mean, this guy is not um, – and you and I have talked about it. He doesn't have the best um, – you know, he's not the best mechanically at quarterback. And I, I just – I know Melvin runs a system, and maybe that's what he's more concerned about. But I think if you're it, it, Nick Marshall for his development, if he was, you know, I think it's better for him to go to one of his gurus who teach nothing but fundamentals. I don't think it could hurt. I mean, it's not like they would be learning the system in Auburn, but he would just be going back to straight fundamentals as a quarterback. I don't think it would hurt um, at all, uh, Nick Marshall. And it was just curious for me. I know Miles on. I get the rationale behind why you do it, but I just think if any kind of opportunity you have for your players to develop. Um, especially at a main position like a quarterback, I just would take it. Yeah, and, and and we won't stay on Auburn much tonight, but a lot of people are just discounting the fact that, you know, Jeremy Johnson's a backup quarterback for Auburn, but, I mean, I think everybody thinks that Nick Marshall's a lock to be the starter, and he probably will be, but remember, Jeremy Johnson is the real deal, guys. You got to see him in about two or three games last year. He actually played a full game, and and just went off. So if Nick Marshall doesn't progress, Trey, into a, a passer, I think he will. I think he'll be a lot better, more comfortable in the system. Don't be surprised if Jeremy Johnson comes in there and gets a lot more playing time. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But Gus Malzahn's one of those guys, Trey, he's going to do it his way. It's his way or the highway. And while we're in college football real quick, the spring games are coming up. And I don't know if you heard Pittsburgh canceled their spring game because – they have such a young team, the coach said, and he wanted to practice more. I just wanted your thoughts on this. Do you think it's fair for a team to do this, and do you think the fans will understand, really? Because if you're a Pitt fan, do you really care if you're going to a spring game? I'm sure they didn't have more than 50 people in the stands anyway. <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, maybe that's true, uh, and maybe that's part of it. But I, I think, you know, from what I understand, part of in the spring game is, is practice. I mean, because I mean, you're, you're going against, you know, game time type reactions, but it just happens to be against your own guys. I mean, so it's it's practice in every sense. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, just because, again, yes, the spring game is for fans. I mean, it's for the time for them to come out and see the offense and defense in sort of a game situation. But I think it's also one of those moments that you actually have to sort of put your guys through some sort of game sort of stress and see how they perform. I mean, a young team, I get it. But um, I also think it has a, a big place in your team. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but in high school, we played a lot of the games like that. We actually did scrimmages against other high schools leading up to the start of the season. I mean, just for that reason alone, just to give you some game time, get some game hits. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I like it in ways, but Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M's coach, Trey, they canceled their spring game. He, he thinks it's a waste of time, and and maybe it is, but, but do you think it's a, a bigger opportunity for for other teams to kind of look? I know you don't run the same plays. I'm not trying to say that, but do you think it's kind of smart not to do that so people can't watch your spring game and see some kind of surprise you have for the next year? I, I kind of like, you know, I, I like surprises. I like to come in in August and see Auburn, see what they have, and, and be surprised. I don't want other teams studying these players. But also you open yourself up to injury when you play these games as well. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you open up yourself injury for any time that you're doing, you know, active contact and, you know, and, and practice. Um, but, you know, you got to think, Tarvin, I mean, are you really giving away much of the farm in a, in a, in a spring game? I, I I just don't know. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is especially if you do – I think if you do have a young team, and, and you talk about Florida State last year, the spring game was was really where, you know, Jacob Coker played, and you saw – you kind of saw Jameis Winston for the first time, and we kind of thought, okay, I mean, he might be special, but you kind of saw that, hey, Coker looked pretty darn good. And so, I mean, there's some evaluation that goes on there that's pretty important, I think. Well, I heard Nick Saban, Trey, is, is, is trying to pass a rule that says you can't you can't do no huddle and scrimmage games either because of injuries. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to throw that out there, Trey, that the the ten second rule, the Saban rule, Spurrier calls it, uh, was floor today. They're not even going to vote on it. Any surprise here to you that it wasn't even brought to the to the committee to vote on? No, I think that this had um, just was terrible in execution how they brought this forward. No statistics. People like uh, Brett Billima putting his foot in his mouth constantly. It was just, you know, not well planned. If you're going to roll any kind of new thing out, um, you really need to, to bring it out much better than they did. And they really didn't do a very good job. So, I mean, if, if, well, if it's something like that, Tarvin, I mean, they really needed to do more like work up front and to get people on board. Well, Brett Billima, for your stupid words, your foot in your mouth, your 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 prize is you get to open up in Jordan Hare Stadium, uh, the first game of the season against a no huddle team. And I Trey wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn runs about a hundred plays in that game just to prove a point to Brett Billima. But man, this guy single handedly destroyed the rules. Save it at least he's smart enough to stay behind the scenes in a way and not say anything. I bet he's cussing you right now about Brad Billman, the way he single-handedly came out and just destroyed any chance of, of this rule going through. 
Yeah, I mean, he certainly didn't help at all. I mean, that's absolutely 100% um, accurate. Uh, now, Carver, you know, we talked about this, and I know we're not supposed to move, we're going to move into baseball here, but I will say, uh, just as a preview, I've been looking at uh, some games, and I'm going to put out uh, in the next couple of weeks, maybe a month out, uh, the top 20 games uh, to look for in 2014, and they're going to be non-conference games. So get ready for that, Tarvin. I'm going to put out the top 20 non-conference game matchups for next year. Well, you, you probably won't have any in the SEC then, because you know the way the SEC does, right? They don't they don't schedule <laughs> anybody out of conference. So, but I want to talk about a, a statistic. I mean, I want to talk a little baseball, but I want to do our baseball preview Sunday night, if that's okay. The majority of it, kind of going through yeah, it. Fine. But but tonight I want to go another 17 minutes, if that's okay, to 9:30, maybe a little bit more, just depends on how we get going. But gambling in sports, Trey, and and I just started thinking about that just thinking about all the money. I think it's like $140 billion something dollars a year. This is illegal. This is not like Vegas gambling. It's $140 billion, and I could be off a little bit, per year. Just your initial thoughts of this. Is this shocking to you that $140 billion, non-taxable, no, no trail of it? Does that concern you a little bit when you hear that number? Well, I mean, does it surprise me with the number? Not really. I mean, a lot of illegal activities have pretty high number values to them. But, I mean, I, do I think it's concerning? Yeah. I mean, anytime you have some sort of sort of black market thing going on, I mean, the mo- you know, it's not like a bunch of ethical people are running it. And, you know, obviously people uh, want to do it, and you kind of, unfortunately, you know, it's going to happen. But it certainly isn't a good thing. I mean, anytime you have unregulated stuff like that, I mean, it does lead to issues. Well, you know, I thought about, the way, you know, players want to siphon, they want money, they want to be paid, and you know they're broke. So how do you feel knowing that if you're Jameis Winston, Trey, you're out there, you're the you're the reason Florida State's where they are, and you see all of these people around you, hey, great job, Jameis, I bet $1,000 and one on you this week. Oh, Jameis, thanks, I've won 10000 this year on you, thank you. All of this money worries me a little bit that it gets it's it i know it happens Trey. call me conspiracy tarvin i don't know but but let me tell you this the the fear i have is these players are getting bribes they're getting payouts they're getting something from this illegal betting to be able to throw games not just throw games maybe point shaving is huge when you look at say florida state favored 38 points over appalachian state or 40 you know what, if you bet on Appalachian State and you're Jameis Winston, you beat them 35 points instead of 38. You're getting paid, you get the win, and nobody really cares. Trey, that's what concerns me about these this money, and I know it's happening in college football. So I just want your thoughts when it comes to point shaving and, and how deep it goes in college football. Well, I mean, does it happen? I, you know, I, I think what I may call you a conspiracy theorist on is, is maybe it doesn't happen as much as I think you, you may think, but does it happen, Tarvin? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, you can – there's instances that we can talk about. I mean, heck, the last big one was at Auburn, the basketball player that I recall, uh, who was, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it happens. I think basketball is a much more dangerous sport because it's so easy for one player to control it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's concerning. I think that's why, um, for instance, you don't see um, – you know, things like in Las Vegas, you don't see a, an NBA franchise there, even though Vegas wants one. It's because of the concern that players are going to be bought off. 
And it's so easy in basketball to do it, Trey. Basketball is the easiest sport in the world to point shave, and I think it happens every night in the NBA. I think it happens somewhere every night in college basketball. Hell, I think it happens in high school basketball. But, I mean, the point is you have all of this money out there, and these players want some of it, Trey. They they want some of it, and they're, they're mad that they see people benefiting, whether it be a jersey uh, purchase someone did, somebody's making money off of it. Especially, I know if I'm playing football, Trey, and I'm the best player on the team, and, and you're calling me saying, hey, buddy, great game tonight. Thank you. I won five grand off you. Great job. I mean, I'm going to be pissed off if I'm a player. And that's what I'm saying. This Teams are together. I mean, it doesn't have to be everybody. It could be a corner, Trey, slipping down, allowing a touchdown pass. It could be the center snapping it over the head of the quarterback just to, to make sure. I mean, referees, don't, you, you can't forget officials in football, Trey. How easy is it ever big play to throw a flag or something for a hold? I'm worried that, that the longer this goes on, all of a sudden we're going to be watching wrestling, really, when we watch college football. It's already staged. It's already fixed. I don't think we're that far away from seeing that. Well, I mean, it's obviously something that you have to keep um, sort of um, – sort of an eye on because, I mean, you're right. There is, um, there are opportunities for people to do this kind of thing. Let's call it what it is. It's cheating. Um, it's fraud. You know, I mean, there there are opportunities for those who want to engage in this kind of stuff because there are opportunities for those folks who are doing this to exactly do what you're talking about. There's a lot of money uh, that could be made in fixing, you know, fixing a fight, as it will. I mean, you, you go through all this kind of stuff. I mean, you can go back to the history you know, people thinking Muhammad Ali, you know, some of his fights were rigged. And it's just, you know, that, that kind of stuff is always going to be a concern in sports. Yeah, I wanted to throw that out there. And, and this is a topic for Sunday night. If, you, if you're listening now, you don't have time to call in. Call in and give us your thoughts of this. And nobody talks about over and under straight. I mean, it's easy. Okay, I'm going to let you run a kickoff back. You let me run one back. Guess what? The score is still 0-0, really. And, and we can still fight it out. But let's make that over-under go over a little bit. I mean, I, I, I'm i just telling you, I, I talk to bookies, and I talk to them, and they won't come out and admit it, but, but the hints are there. I mean, UAB Blazers, a team like that, nobody cares about, nobody gives a crap about. Those are the perfect games and opportunities for these guys to make some money and kind of get away with it. Trey, if, if, if UAB choked a two-lane or something, would you really care? I mean, would you pay attention to it? Well, I don't even know if I would know. <laughs> exactly, and that's why that's why I'm trying to say the games. If you're out there listening, you want to make some money. The games to do it on are those games like those games I just mentioned. It's it's not the Auburn Alabama game. Trust me. I mean, those guys wouldn't throw anything. They hate each other. You can't do the big games like that. It's always those games that don't matter. The Florida State versus uh, the School of the Deaf and the Blind favored 92 points, and they beat them by 85 or something. That's where a lot of money is being made for some of these guys. But, Trey, baseball season is 24 days, 22 hours, 39 minutes, and 30 seconds away. So I don't know about you, but I'm getting very excited that baseball is getting this close. Um, yeah, you know I'm a big baseball fan. I love to watch baseball. I love the – a marathon that is baseball. I mean, we have a minor league team here. I love going to minor league games. So I'm super excited uh, about, you know, the, the, the baseball season coming out. But I'm ready for it. 
Well, last year you and I did a, a, a very good job of actually our predictions in the in the Major League Baseball. And this year I think we can still do it. But I think this year there's going to be some surprise teams in there. And, I, and to start out, let's go to the, the National League East for a moment, Trey. And I, I hear a lot of experts talking about the Atlanta Braves, you know, they're going to hold the division. But is there another team in this division that you're looking at besides Atlanta and Washington, really? Do you think Philadelphia or New York could come in and possibly win this division, or do you think this is a two-team race, really? Yeah, I know we're going to do our predictions on, on Sunday on this, but I'll tell you, Tarvin, I, you know, I think what you're alluding to is I think the Mets uh, are actually going to be more competitive than folks may realize. I mean, Curtis Granderson, uh, if healthy, and he, looks, and he looks to be, uh, can be a real game changer on that in that lineup with David Wright and protecting him. If some of the starting pitching develops and comes around a little bit better than they were last year, I and mean, they had some good outings here and there that people don't realize just because the Mets were such a you know bottom dweller. You know, I'm not sold on the Phillies just yet because of their age. But, you know, I mean, obviously the Marlins aren't going to be a concern. But, yeah, I think this could be a three-team type of race. I'm not sure the Braves are going to run away with this this year. Yeah, I think the Braves surprised some people. And, again, we'll go through our prediction Sunday night. I think the Braves surprised some people. They overachieved last year. I think now with the, the championship back on their back, that, that weight, the monkey on their back, they're going to struggle because that Washington team, Trey, is loaded. They have great pitching. They have great uh, great lineup all around. Bullpen's not too bad. I think this is Washington, and maybe I'll change it by Sunday, but I still think this is Washington's division you know, to lose right now. But, Trey, Ian Kinsler, I don't know if you heard his comments uh, about the Rangers. They asked him, what he thought the what he hoped the Rangers would do. He said he hoped they would go 0 and 162. I don't know if you saw that comment. Maybe you know Ian's a little bitter right now at Texas. What do you think? Trey Patterson. We may have lost Trey, or maybe he muted himself. There, he muted himself. He's back now. Hey, Trey, yeah, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I was trying right. uh, to there talking, but uh, can you hear me now, buddy? Yeah, I hear you. All right, yeah, you know, the Ian Kinsler comments, um, yeah, I look at it two ways. One, I think there is something to, you know, the stuff he's saying about Nolan Ryan being pushed out. I mean, there was some evidence of that prior to that. Um, but two, Tarvin, I mean, is he bitter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, and 162, but baseball Sunday night, we won't let you down this time. We've had some other things come on. And you know baseball, Trey, you can't just break down that many teams and kind of go through without a, a little preparation. And I started a new job, and so I'm just trying to get through that, spending my time with that. So I just want to throw that out there. But I don't know. Let's go to college football just a second before we go. I don't know if you're Penn State, McQuarrie, his comments, and I didn't know this, Trey, maybe you did, but he comes out and says he was sexually molested as a child. I don't know if you heard that and are you buying it. Why now? Why would he come out now and say this, and why would he say this at the time all this was going on? I think he's saying this now to kind of cover his tail a little bit. Yeah, I, I that's actually the first I've heard of it. I mean, I've been a little bit out of the loop this week, um, but wow, that's, that's interesting. You're right. I mean, why... Uh, why is this coming out now? It's certainly uh, that's, that's certainly a weird timing. Yeah, and and he, that's the excuse he's giving for 
why didn't he break it up in the shower when he came in and everything? I just, I don't know about this one. But he's suing Penn State for $4 million, I believe, because he couldn't find a job after all of that. I don't know what you what you know about that. But he's really defending Joe Paterno, saying that Joe did the best he could do with, with the information he had. I'm not buying it, Trey. I, I think there's a lot more to this. I think he's just as guilty is the guy that, that is actually Sandusky is, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not buying his lawsuit, that's for sure. I mean, you know, when you're part of a program and you're part of, you know, something that goes badly, it is what it is. I mean, you, you know, you're you kind of, you know, you were in the ship and the ship hit an iceberg. And, you know, what, whether he was, he claims he was not as culpable as, as he might be, it doesn't really matter. I mean, at some point, uh, you're going to distrust that person to even run your program if that kind of stuff is going on and you can't figure it out. So, I mean, whether he was, you know, knowledgeable and part of it, I mean, or whether he was just sort of absent at the wheel and couldn't figure anything out, I mean, both of them are just as bad for, you know, somebody who is a leadership position. Well, I want to read this from ESPN real quick for you, Dre, and it was talking about McQuarrie's gambling problems, and it said, one area the defense lawyers will likely attempt to focus on is McQuarrie and gambling. According to several former teammates and people close to McQuarrie, he gambled while at Penn State and continued it after he graduated in December of 1997. He often played poker and bet on pro and college football with a bookie. One close college football friend says he recalls that McQuarrie, as a junior and backup quarterback, bet on Penn State to cover an eight-point spread against Michigan State at Beaver Stadium in 1996, the Nittany Lions won 32-29 to on a late field goal when McQuarrie, who was on the bench, lost his wager. So gambling events told thousands of dollars. His father paid them, but I don't know about all this, man. All this is coming out now, and you have a guy that, that now he's saying he was molested. His story's changed several times with a shower incident. So I'm, I'm just wondering how credible this is going to be. And, I mean, if this guy would gamble on football games, just what I was saying Trey, a minute ago, I mean, a backup quarterback over here gambling, he looks like a clean-cut guy that wouldn't do anything wrong. I think his credibility is going downhill fast. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you on that, Trevor. I mean, obviously um, there's a lot of indicators that, that are out there that he might not be somebody you want involved in your program at all and so i mean all that kind of stuff and when you open the can up i mean it's not just the stuff that you want to come out or you want to say a lot of other stuff will come out and so uh for him you know this may be it i mean we may not see his name um and involved in, in sporting again well let's just throw this out there he is he's actually living with his mom right now he's got a four-year-old daughter and they're separated him and his wife barbara I just think she knows something too. That I mean, this is this is going to get bigger again. I think this guy right here. I I just don't ever think he'll be ever a college football coach again. I think he had the chance to to do something. And I mean, Trey. I mean, you would not hire him, would you? If you were a coach looking for an assistant or something with all of this baggage with him now, and the fact that he comes no. up one of the biggest scandals in the history of sports. I mean. He wouldn't be able to get a job at a car wash if it was me. No, I mean, and not until, you know, more time has passed and, and perhaps, um, you know, if some things that he's claiming come out to be, you know, maybe true. But I mean, there's no way I, I, you know, get anywhere near him on my staff 
at any point anytime soon. Well, research that a little bit, and maybe Sunday night we can we can talk about that a little bit. And anything you want to talk about before we go tonight? No, just uh, you know, we'll ready for the baseball preview. Uh, we'll see how basketball starts playing out. We're getting closer to the playoffs, but that's about it, man. It's uh, memory, guys. If you want to call in and talk college football, you can on this show. No matter what we're talking about, we're always talking about college football. You, you see, we're trying to tear ourselves from it, but we always want to talk college football. We're always going to talk NFL, college, something. And um, well, Trey, real quick, the draft's coming up. Have you changed your mind, or really, have you thought about who's going to go number one overall? Yeah, for me, um, even with the motor question, I still think Clowney is my number one if I'm the Texans, unless I get something to trade out of it. I'll tell you, and I was talking to this uh, with a Cleveland fan uh, that I, I'm friends with. I just The quarterbacks in the first round, the three, I think all have significant possible issues. And I just think there's a value in some of the guys who may be out there, uh, and I'm really sort of pinpointing Aaron Murray, uh, in the third, maybe the third and fourth round, I think you may get a better quarterback than you, than you may see in those top three. So I just think that the, the first round is going to be interesting this year because I think some team, maybe more than one team, are going to make some pretty big mistakes. Well, and, and a note real quick in college football, Pig Howard, wide receiver for Tennessee, is taking a leave of absence from the program. Clemson suspends four starters for the opener against Georgia. So as the season gets closer, we're going to have a lot more information coming out, Trey, and a lot more news, a lot more previews. But this NFL draft is going to be awesome. So I can't wait till we start actually previewing that draft. And we'll probably wait. We'll talk about it up until May, but I think we'll wait until middle, end of April to start really breaking down our draft. But there's a lot going to happen on this show. So like Trey said, please make sure you call in. And, and I know right now it's slow into in the sports world, but we're going to talk about topics, debatable topics. We're going to talk interesting stuff. We're not just going to give you scores and stuff every night. So call in. Give us your opinion on some stuff. It's great discussion. Trey always has a great opinion, and, and a lot of the callers do as well. So give us a call next week, Sunday night. We're going to start at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Trey, great show tonight, bud. Thanks as always, and we'll see you Sunday night. See you, later. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.